0: Uh, we start Missions Month in October. Uh, next week, we'll have a missions message, a full missions message. And then we've got some missionary guests that are coming uh, uh, for the 20th and the 27th. We've got Missions Banquet. Uh, we've got some different things that we're going to be highlighting. Missions is an important part of the Gateway Church. And if you haven't recognized that or if you're a first-time guest, uh, we just want to let you know what's coming. And uh, it's, it's really, really an important time for us as a church um, to grow and to keep on expanding and saying, God, what do you have for us in regards to reaching out to, our, uh, to make an impact in this community and across the globe? And so we want to make sure you're aware of that. But then this morning, I wanted to kind of start with not really a missions message necessarily, although there's missions components to it. I was thinking about uh, my life over the last seven years whether you realize it or not, which my guess is probably no one recognizes this, but today is the seven-year anniversary for my family being here at the Gateway Church. Seven years. Yeah. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate that. And uh, seven years ago, October first, it was actually the first, which was uh, hunting, uh, start a hunting season, we showed up here at the Gateway Church, and we've been here, and I was thinking about that and reflecting and doing some journaling, some writing, and uh, the Lord started stirring in my heart, and uh, instead of diving into a missions message this morning, I feel like the Lord wants me to take some reflections, uh, to take time to thank the Lord, and to let you know that I am not the same person that I was seven years ago. And which is exciting, it's also scary to think about. But I have seen growth in my life, I've been stretched, I've had a few scars along the way, I've had some success, I've made some mistakes, some little mistakes, and some big mistakes... And but this morning I want to reflect on some of the things that I've learned and it's kind of a random kind of independent thoughts but my heart is is that you'd have some takeaways. That when I talk about my life and I share some stories from my life, let you in a little into, kind of into the way I think or the way, what I've learned, that you would have some takeaways that would be significant in your life. That's my heart. And I wanted to start by sharing with you something that my pastor in Dayton, Ohio told me when I was coming here to the Gateway Church. He is he always, I'd go into his office and I'd always have a notepad and he says, hey Ben, says I want to I want you to know before you go uh, up to Michigan he says there's three things you can't touch and he was always putting his messages were like three Cs, three uh, Fs, three, you know, Js, whatever. He's always I don't know what you call that, alliteration, is that is that no? I'm not sure. Whatever. But anyway, but he's always doing that. He said there's three Gs that you just can't touch. And I'm like, "All right, I'm ready. Three Gs, don't touch these." And the first one was God's glory. Don't touch the glory. And then he said, don't touch the gold. And he said, don't touch the girls. <laughs> 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 Pretty straight and forward, don't touch the girls. I don't need to be in jail or anything like that. Or and I want to stay married to my lovely wife. Don't touch the gold. He was just saying, look, it's so important for us as pastors to have high integrity when it comes to money and stewardship as a church. And uh, how many appreciate a good checks and balance system within the church? We all do. But the glory, don't touch the glory, was kind of intriguing. And I, as I said, well, talk to me a little bit about that. And he, I remember him saying, he said, Ben, you never want to take credit for what the Lord's doing in your life. A work is unto the Lord for His glory and for His honor, and with that, I want us to turn to First Corinthians chapter ten, and I want us to uh, start here, look at a simple verse here. You may have heard this before, but it just kind of jumped out of me, and then I want to talk about five things that i 've learned from uh, over the last seven years and some of the things i've learned are have been painful some have been uh less painful but uh, i want to share with these from my heart and just believing that god wants to speak to you as well but listen to what it says it says so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do now just think about your life the last week think about the things that you've done You've eaten, you've drinking, of course, but then you have, some of you have been to school and back, you've been to work and back, you've been in the neighborhood talking with neighbors, some of you have been at work, some of you have been relaxing, maybe you've been on vacation, I don't know. Uh, whatever you've done, so it says whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all, not just a part of it, not just a, you know, a sliver, not just you know, the majority, but do it all for the glory of God. Our lives are meant for God's glory. We are to exhibit that in our lives. And that's a, been an interesting thing for me to try to learn over my life. And the first thing I want to share with you that I've learned being here at the Gateway Church is that it is not about me. If you're taking notes, we didn't put the notes up on the screen this week. Forgive us for that, but it is not about Ben Vey. All right, that's the first thing, and I want to share with this why this is so important. Why didn't I learn this earlier? I'm not sure, or maybe I've learned bits and pieces. Maybe I've had a greater revelation of this, but it's not about Ben. My history growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, great family, loved the Lord. We, uh, We're active in the church, and my dad, he was home uh, after work really early because he started at like five in the morning, so he was home by the time we were home from school. And I remember getting home and thinking, kind of like you do, Logan, uh, hey, my dad's here, it's time to play, right? And I remember that, and we did every single night. My dad was one of my best friends, and we had a great time. And one of the things my dad would do is he would just constantly tell me how great I was. He would be like, buddy. He'd, he'd call me buddy like I'd call you buddy. And uh, he's like, buddy, man, you can shoot the basketball better than anybody I know. And he'd tell me stuff like that. Or he'd be like, man, you are so fast. Uh, how does anybody keep up with you? Or you just you compliment me over and over and which is good, I do the same thing to Logan, don't I? And we, I, I want to encourage my son. And, uh, but what's happened is I kind of let it go overboard in some areas of my life where that confidence went to ego trip. <laughs> and I struggled with some ego issues. And what's interesting about if those that have kind of uh, real strong egos, is many times, and this was true in my life, there was a fear behind the facade. And uh, I had to look the right way, had to wear the right clothes, right shoes, and things like that. But uh, but I used to walk around in high school and even in college, even once I was married, and I would say things like, you know who I am, don't you? I'm Ben Vey. <laughs> and people would be like, yeah, you're Ben Vey, you know, whatever, you know. And, and I was just... I was kind of full of myself. And what was interesting is that I kind of spilled over. And I'd be like, hey, we're the vase, and our family. And uh, it was never my wife or my kids. Uh, It was always me with this confidence that was kind of overboard to the point of ego driven. And then it was actually fed in my first position right out of college. Graduated from college and landed a really good job in Dayton, Ohio. And I was a children's pastor there. And what was interesting is that for, the la- for those first eight and a half years of ministry, there was not one time, not once that I went to my pastor and said, hey, can we do this? And I had made a plan and said, hey, this is what's going to cost. This is the, how many volunteers it's going to take. Not one time can I remember where he said, no, that's not a good idea. No, you better not do that. He was always encouraging, saying, man, do it, go for it. And we spent a lot of money, but we did a lot of awesome things in children's ministry. And so it just kind of fed that ego where I was like, wow, this is great. And then I moved to the Gateway Church October 2006, and we thought everyone would love us just like they loved us at Bethel and just the way my parents loved me. And what was the reality is that there were a few people that left right away and that we never even knew or never connected with. And that happens when there's church transition. But what happened is that uh, people started leaving the church. And I can remember the first time Someone actually made an appointment, came in and talked with me and said, hey, and sat down, him and his wife, and they said, you know, we've been here the last couple months. And they basically went on to say that they didn't like me and my leadership and the way that I was taking the church. And let me tell you, it was so personal. and It was like a blow to the gut. John, you remember being in ministry? And you remember some of those times? And I'm a young pastor, first time lead pastor, and I had a covering in Dayton, Ohio. It's funny, I was thinking the only time anyone ever left the church in Bethel, uh, in Dayton, because of me was after I, I bleach blonde my hair. And uh, one of the parents said, wait, <laughs> She came in. She said, "That's the last straw." She told Jessica. She wouldn't even tell me. She, and Jessica's not here, but uh, uh, she would, she slipped out. But she said, "That's the last straw." She said, "What's next? Tattoos and piercings?" <laughs> and I'm looking at Pete because he's got ear piercings <laughs> and tattoos. <laughs> But that was the only time anybody had left, and my pastor was like, hey, don't worry about it. Uh, they've been to like six churches in the, you know, since I've been here, and, uh, but anyway, that's another story. But anyway, what happened is as I described this, uh, as I describe it now, I went from what I considered kind of hero status to zero, and it was a painful season. I remember waking up that Sunday morning and telling the youth pastor that was, on, that was here when I got here, I said, Levi, I don't think anyone's going to come to church today. I remember feeling that just down and just couldn't hardly get out of bed because it was so personal. But what God showed me that Sunday, actually it was the largest attended Sunday at that point in the history of the church, and, uh, and I forget what the attendance was, but I remember thinking, okay, God, you've got this under control. And the other thing that I reminded at that point is that it's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's about God and his work through me. And what I love is that all throughout the Bible, there are stories of God using Zero people, the underdogs those that aren't even uh, mentioned in the Bible or mentioned just for a brief second. And uh, what I was wondering is this morning, I'm just wondering how many here this morning maybe feel like you're a zero or maybe you feel like you've been thrown under the bus or maybe you feel like you've been forgotten, but God has not forgotten about you. And if you've got an ego like I did, maybe you need to take some lessons from me and say, hey, it's not about us, it's about God. Because when we have a proper perspective, of what God can do in and through our lives. God, he uses that to accelerate what he wants to do in the kingdom. And I believe that really strongly. So the first thing I wanted to share was it's not about me. That's one thing I've had to learn and need to continue to learn because I can kind of go back and forth on that one. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is that God really is my provider. And this was a hard lesson to learn as well. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will supply all my needs according to His riches and glories. You may be familiar with it. I've always been a hard worker growing up. My dad was a hard worker. And he said, hey, and like I've told Logan, boy, if you don't work, you don't eat. And I've, you know, I, that's what the Bible says. I embrace that. And uh, so at the age of 13, I started my own business. And I uh, had a little lawn care business in my neighborhood. And uh, I, I went everywhere with my lawn equipment. I was mowing lawns. And I had... Had lots and lots of money at a young age. I could spend hundreds of dollars on stuff and, uh, you know, stereos and rollerblades and, you know, skateboard stuff and all this stuff, and then I'd still have all this money left over and it was pretty sweet. Well, I always did well then. I had a few good jobs, uh, and then I ended up landing in in Dayton, Ohio, and Jessica was working full-time, and I was full-time in ministry with a a decent wage, and the Lord was blessing us thinking, man, this is great. Why wouldn't anybody want to do this? This is awesome, you know, kind of living the American dream, and then we had our first baby. We had Reagan, and it was important to us for Jessica to stay home. It was a choice that we made, and we knew there'd be some sacrifice but I'm like hey I'll work extra and so on my day off I worked with an industrial plumber in the church and I did that for about two and a half maybe three years every Monday I'd go and jackhammer and uh, shovel pea gravel he was an industrial big plumbing jobs and uh, and I would be sore from Monday to Friday I'd be finally good on Saturday Sunday And Monday, I'd go do it all over again, like 10, 12-hour days. And he would just kill me. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this and provide for my family. And along the way, I started buying and selling cars. It's like little cars here and there, and I would flip cars, and the Lord was blessing that. And uh, so too long of a story to explain it all, but I, I decided along the way, um, my Jessica and I, we said, you know what? God's blessing us in this area. What if we gave 50% of everything we earn from the car sales to missions? And we thought, hey, that's a great idea. Well, it was like we couldn't keep the cars for sale; they would sell as fast as we could get them. And by the time we moved here, the last couple of years before we moved here, I had sold 70 cars the one year. The year before we moved here, I had sold over 80 cars in one year. I had my dealer's license, a truck, and a trailer, and uh, and God just blessed that in our lives. And we moved here to the Gateway Church with a good wage. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't uh, below poverty or anything like that. But what happened, we walked in our first Sunday. Brett, you might remember this. We had, it, was, it was bow season, October 1st, and so people were out bow hunting, but there were 59 people, including kids. And we walked away from a church of seven or 800, and we're like, what have we just done? And I'm thinking, okay. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, we got the wage from the church, I just figured I had my license, and I would go to ABC Auction in uh, Grand Rapids, and I I started doing that. And I'd buy a car here and there. And for the first six months, it was like pulling teeth. In six months, I would have sold thirty or forty cars, and I sold three or four. And every time I try to sell a car, I would keep them way longer than I could ever imagine that I ever would. And then I'd make fifty bucks or break even. I'm saying, what's wrong? And I remember praying in my office one morning, saying, Lord, this is just such a hassle. What in the world? And God spoke to me very clearly, and he said, stop selling cars. And I had to be obedient. And that the ministry, if I, if I concentrate on ministry, that God would provide for our needs. And the, the word that came was that God was my provider. God said, look, concentrate on ministry. And so we committed. And since that time, God has provided for our needs. And God has even blessed us beyond our needs. And it's really a pretty incredible story. But God is our provider. It's not the church, it's not my hard work or what my bank account says or doesn't say. God is our provider. And I just know that in a crowd like this, there are people here that are either struggling financially or you're wondering you know, what God is doing. I was just talking with a, a, a guest that is out of work and needs some work. And, and it's like, okay, God, what, what are you doing? But I just want you to know God is your provider. He will take care of you. You work hard as unto the Lord, and he will take care of your needs. That was a lesson I needed to learn. God is my provider and my ego trip. All right. Number three, if you're taking notes, there is always more work to do. (laughs) That was the third thing that I've learned since I've been here. And what's interesting is in Exodus 20, where it talks about the Ten Commandments, There is a commandment that says to honor the Sabbath day, to keep it holy, and what that means is that we need to rest. We need to take a day off, and that's a lesson that was hard for me to uh, get my mind around when we first moved here to the Gateway Church. It was different being in a staff position where I was under the covering of a senior pastor, and really I had one area or a couple areas of responsibility, and all of a sudden, where I could go home before and just love on my family or or just relax, what was happening in my life when we first moved here and for the first probably two or three years is I couldn't turn it off. It was always on my mind, the church and relationships and the finances and all the different things that were going on at the church, and I couldn't get away from it, and it started affecting me physically. A lot of you don't know this, but I ended up, uh, if you if you don't get good rest, what happens? There are physical problems that will arise, and we know that. Stress and anxiety, it all leads to burnout, and I was at the verge of burnout in my life. And one night, I'm sitting in bed, and I had been feeling some pains in my chest all night long. And I finally told Jessica, I said, Jessica, something's happening in my body. I'd never felt pain like this before. It was really painful. And I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. And Jessica's like, man, you know, the kids were already in bed. And she's like, what do we do? And we, I said, well, let me just wait a little bit. I tried to drink some water, and uh, nothing seemed to help. And about 30 minutes later, I said, you know what? I need to go to the hospital. Actually, Jessica's like, you need to go to the hospital. And so she, <laughs> she didn't take me, we didn't get the kids up. I drove myself. <laughs> good thing I wasn't having a heart attack. I got there. They get me in. They put all this testing, stuff like that. And I'm embarrassed to say all it was is heartburn. It was. i never had heartburn in my life. Does anyone ever struggle with that where it was really painful? Yeah, I'd never had that before. It was the first time, but it was stress-induced and uh, with just some eating and different things like that. But what was interesting is from that time, it was kind of a wake-up call, and I was glad it wasn't my heart. My heart was strong, but it was a wake-up call. It brought me to the reality that I cannot afford not to rest. To take a day off, to disengage temporarily, to come back, to give six days of my best energy. That's the fact. And I also realize that I cannot afford to cheat my family, my kids, my wife. And I realize that the pace of life is, you know, there's busier seasons than others, but there must be seasons of downtime. And it's interesting that farmers, they realize that. And uh, when we're not farming or, you know, tilling up the ground to eat, instead we go to the grocery stores, we sometimes miss some of the benefits uh, that we would have had to experience if we were, you know, if we grew up in a different uh, age. There's a verse that kind of was uh, important to me at that time. I remember reading this and just it was like it was like water to my soul. And it's something that you've heard before is Jesus talking and Jesus says, "Come to me." In Matthew chapter 11:28-29-30, it says, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest." Everyone say rest. Doesn't that sound good? He will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I realized the, for the first time uh, in my life that what I, I needed to rest and I needed God to rest pour back to rejuvenate me, and I'm wondering how many today are just going, 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 and this is a word from the Lord for you today, that you need to slow down, you need to rest, you need to uh, make your family a priority, and you need that in your life, because I believe without a shadow of a doubt that if you work six days instead of seven, you'll be more effective with six than seven, and uh, it's in God's word. And it's important. So anyway, so I learned that there's always more to do. And there's lots of times now that I will leave the office and I, there are things on my checklist that I never got done. And I've got to be okay with that. I've got to go home and I've got to en- engage my family. And uh, I have to be okay with that. And you guys need to be okay with that in your own lives as well. All right? The fourth thing, we've got two more things here. The fourth thing I've learned, and this one's really painful um, to, to talk about, but I think it's important for me to acknowledge and for you to understand as well, is that love is supreme, that I've learned that love is supreme. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, at the end of the love chapter, it says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Love, love right? And we understand that, but to love, in order to love, you must be vulnerable. You have to be vulnerable. You have to let people in, to in order to give love back. And what happened is right before or right after we moved here from the gateway to the Gateway Church. Um, about a month after that, a friend of mine, my best friend, my accountability partner, someone I worked with um, in in Dayton, uh, ended up uh, being exposed by his wife that he had been in an affair with another woman. And it was really, really hard for me to take. I got the call. I couldn't believe it. And without me even understanding everything or even uh, uh, understanding what was happening in my life is I closed up and I was, had been hurt. I had talked with him about this person. I had gone to his house and confronted him and he just flat out lied to me, right to my face in regards to this relationship that was happening and I wasn't going to let that happen again. I was hurt. And I know some of your stories uh, that you've been hurt. And it's hard to let other people in. But for me, it, the hurt kept me closed up. And about three, three and a half years later, I'm in the basement talking with my wife about the church and about some trouble. I don't even remember what the issues were. But I remember getting so mad that I took my fist and I hit the wall with the side of my hand and put a hole in our wall, in our basement. And my wife's like, you need help. And she was right. I needed help. And what it really, what, what happened is I ended up going back to, to counseling, and, or I went to counseling at that time, and I went about for a year straight, but about six months in, it, the counselor kind of got to the point saying, why won't you let people get close to you? And I'm saying, I don't know. And as I, we unpacked it together, It was all stemming back from this situation that had happened three and a half years earlier. And what happened is I realized in that moment that I had not told one person at the Gateway Church that I loved them. Love is supreme is the lesson I had to learn. And what I had to do is I had to come back to the congregation, and some of you were here when we did that. And I came back, and I shared the story and saying, man, I'm so sorry And I said, Lord, teach me to love again. And what's interesting, my heart has grown from that moment, and it's continuing to grow, and I love it. And and I love what I do, and I love the people here. And uh, God has uh, really healed my heart in that area, and I'm so thankful for it. There's a verse that was very meaningful to me. It still is really meaningful. It's in Proverbs chapter 3. I want to encourage you to turn there and write it down. Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4. It says this. It says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. How important is it that you never let it go? Love and faithfulness. It says, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and with man. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. And it had left me for a season. And I'm so thankful that through God's graciousness and really a a church family that was very patient with me, it was a lesson that I needed to learn that love was supreme. The fifth thing, and I had like 20 things, probably 12 or 13, we're doing five. Uh, But the fifth thing that I learned since I've been here is that it's all about people. The reason we exist is for people to reach the lost, to disciple people. Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission, many of you know that. What was interesting as I was reflecting on this is that Jesus, he came to this earth, he was willing to be tortured and beaten and sacrificed, uh, put on a cross to die for us. What was on his mind through all of that? It was you and me. He was thinking about us He was thinking about people. He wasn't thinking about programs or buildings or money or or numbers of people. He was thinking about souls. What drove him to the cross was the idea that you guys and I can live a life because of his sacrifice with him in heaven forever. And what I realized is that, boy, it's all about people, that we have to give people a chance. We have to give people a choice to be able to choose between Christ and not following Christ. And then we got to pour into people, to build people up. And I've been told, and we've talked about this recently as a board, that we need to build the people, invest in people, and God will build the church. That's a healthy model. And we need to continue to remember that. I need to continue to remember that. And what I want to do today is I want to invest in your life. As a church and as a board, we want to give you a gift, every single one of you today. And guys, if you could get ready, maybe if you could get uh, Steve, maybe you could help help out. What we'd like to do is we'd like to give every single one of you one of the books that we keep up here at the altar on a regular basis for those that first give their hearts to Jesus. And what it is, it's a discipleship tool. There's 26 chapters, and what I encourage people to do is to give 26 days of discipleship, of reading. It takes about a minute and a half of reading, and then a few verses, probably 10 to 15 minutes total time. And what it does, it builds a foundation in a new believer's life. And what I would like to do is we'd like to give this to a gift. As long as you're, uh, for every single person that's here, we want to give you one of these. And what we want you to do is, this is missions month. This is the month where we talk about reaching out and and making an impact. And we're going to talk about our, our mission and vision here in just a second. But what we'd like you to do is to track with us, starting tomorrow for the next 26 days, and go through this book and let it be a blessing to you personally. Because I believe it will help you grow. But beyond that, we also want you to be thinking about who you could go through this book with. Who in your life is lost? Can you think of someone that you suspect maybe doesn't know the Lord? Maybe someone that's away from the Lord in your life? We probably all can think of someone. And while we're going through this book over the next 26 days, would you prayerfully consider who God might be putting in your heart to make a difference in, to make an impact in regards to people being saved, because it's all about souls. It's a lesson that I've had to learn. It's not about numbers, it's not about finances, it's not about buildings or programs, it's all about people. It's a lesson I've had to learn along the way. As I was considering this message, putting thoughts together, and praying, I was asking the Lord, God, you know, help me. And I was trying to wane down. Literally, I had like 12 or 13 different things that I, that I, that I could have talked about. But I was saying, Lord, what, what do you want me to share this morning? And I just felt compelled once again to remind us why we exist. What is our mission and what's our vision? And uh, many of you have seen uh, printed on our, on our material that we're here to connect with God, with each other, with the world. That's our mission statement. That's part of our mission statement. But this is what our mission says in its entirety. It says we are a spirit-filled church. That means we want the Spirit of God to be moving and to be changing our lives and helping us to grow, okay? So we are a spirit-filled church committed to glorifying God. That's why we're here is to glorify God. It's all about Him, right? By connecting the people of the lakeshore with God, with each other, and with the world. And we see that with, uh, in the abbreviated in the connecting with God, with each other, with the world. And I am motivated by this. I am challenged by our mission. And I, and I also am challenged by our vision statement, which says that we are to be or to become a healthy, multiplying church known for making an impact in our community and in our world. And when I get my mind around that, when I start thinking about us as a team, as a church, as a church body, making an impact in this community and then across the globe, my heart is challenged. And I just want you to know, I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of our church for where God has taken us. I'm proud of our mission and I'm challenged by our vision. I'm challenged about our future. It's what gets me up in the morning and gets and keeps me going. I love the verse that says, he that has began a good work in you, he'll be faithful to complete it in us. How many love that verse, if you've heard that before? Isn't that awesome? And I embrace that verse for us as a body, as a church body. Along the journey, I've also been encouraged by Isaiah 55. Turn with me there, the last verse we'll turn to today. Isaiah 55. I love this chapter. It's talking about those that are thirsty, those that are hungry for God. If you're hungry for the Lord, read Isaiah 58 uh, or 55. It is excellent. But in verse 8 it says this. This is God talking. He says, "For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways." And what's interesting when I think about the work that's ahead of us or the work that we've that's even behind us, I have to be able to rest in my timing, that my timing is not God's timing. I look at what we've been able to accomplish, and in some ways I think, man, we've come so far. In other ways, I think, God, Lord, help us with our, with our future because we haven't accomplished everything that the Lord has put on my heart. And I'm saying, why does it take so long sometimes? But you know what? Isaiah 55, 8 says, My thoughts, my timing is not always God's timing. And we have to rest in that, that we serve a sovereign God that he is in control. And I think about some of our needs right now for facilities, because we rent this facility, and we're kind of maxing it out uh, in two services. We're thinking about future staffing or even church planting. and I mentioned this first service that it's a heart of mine when we say we're going to be a healthy multiplying church. I am believing that over the next uh, by the time I've been here 30 years, God will have blessed us with planting five different churches i believe that from the bottom of my heart and so we got some work to do to continue to grow to be able to continue to multiply and this morning my heart is to ask you even if you're a first-time guest or been here just a few times to ask you to partner with us to embrace the future the will of god for here the gateway church to walk with us to love people, to be good stewards together, to sacrifice for the Lord together, to give together, to serve together, and to enjoy ministry together. I want to enjoy my years in ministry that God has me here. And God has put it in my heart that uh, if it's the Lord's will, I would love to be here 30 years. I believe that God's given me that target to shoot for. I started when I was 30, so by the time I'm 60, that we'll pass it off, and who knows what I'd do after that. But I believe that longevity is important, and we're here for the long haul. We love it here, and God, I believe, has a huge, huge plan. I look at seven years that we've been here, but 23 more at least. And I'm saying, Lord, help us to grow. Help us to make an impact, to see our vision fulfilled. And I'm asking that you would be a part of that. I'm asking that you'd say, God, I want to give my life and my days to be a part of that. And I believe that God will honor that in our lives together. I'm going to ask that you stand this morning. I want to share one other thing that's been on my heart. I shared it with the board at this last board meeting. Shared it with the staff um, at our board or our staff retreat recently when we got away. And uh, and also just uh, I want I want to share this, and I believe that the Lord has put this on my heart, and I believe that he's um, that he spoke clearly to me. And this is, what, this is what I wrote down. Uh, that I believe that God has impressed on my heart that he is up to something big yes. here at the Gateway Church. Something bigger than Ben Vey or just the staff, but collectively that God is up to something big. And I believe that. I embrace that. And I'm excited about that. And I want to encourage you to partner with us in that, that we're going to grow together. We're going to see God do some incredible things. He gave me a vision, and I've only shared it with the board and with my wife, and I haven't even shared it with the kids or the rest of the staff, but I believe that there are some things around the corner that are going to be very, very exciting for us, and I may share it at some point in the future. But uh, some things are uh, pretty incredible. But I believe that God has got his hand on us. Nothing that has happened has, is, has been a surprise to the Lord. And nothing that's happened in your life has been a surprise to God either. And I believe that you are, you're plugging in at just the right time to connect with us and to grow with us. And I'm excited about that. Can I pray for you? Amen. Lord, I thank you that you have called me And my family to the lakeshore to make a difference, Lord. I thank you for the lessons that I've learned that it's not about me, God, but it's all for Your glory, Lord. That You are my provider. It's not the church or my hard work or anything else. You are my provider, Lord. I thank you that that even though there will always be work, You encourage me to rest and to be healthy. Lord, I pray that you you would help me to keep that in perspective in my life. And Lord, I thank you that love is supreme. And Lord, that you have helped me to grow in love for your people. And Lord, I pray that it would just trickle out into each and every one that's here. And Lord, that as we would leave this place even today, that love would be supreme and that it would just ooze out of us. It would be so contagious and it would just draw people to you. And Lord, I thank you for the encouragement that it's all about people. That's why we exist. That's why we're here, to reach the lost, to see lost people found, to give people a chance and a choice, and to see them discipled, to be strong followers of Christ. God, I thank you for that. And I thank you for the sense that, Lord, you are up to something bigger than just one person or just a a small few. But, Lord, you are working on our behalf, Lord, for your glory and for your honor. And, Lord, thank you that you use people that are underdogs, people that are unknown in many ways. And, God, you use them in powerful ways. And, God, I pray for each person that's here, Lord, that as they embrace the vision and the heart behind the church, God, that you would help them to live their lives worthy of your calling on their lives. Lord, they would engage with you. Lord, I pray that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us, We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We love you this week. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. And uh, if you need anything, you just let us know. God bless you.